Hi, I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. This is 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication. I was talking with a nurse educator about the uncertainty and difficulties nursing students can face as they learn the specialized language of medicine. She said, because this is a different language. It's very difficult for a student to come in and talk urination. They're used to saying pee. And yet their patients aren't going to say, I urinated today. They're going to say, I peed today. So students wonder, how do I talk to you? How do I talk to you? One of the biggest trip hazards in health communication is the specialized language used in medicine. Medical information terminology and forms can be intimidating for anyone who doesn't deal with them regularly. By now, you know the benefits of clear and timely patient-centered communication. As if the clear part wasn't tough enough, you usually are communicating under serious time constraints. This podcast is to help you start to become aware of your own language and your patients so you can make some progress on that question. How do I talk to you? Welcome to 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication with Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. Providing you with tips and strategies you can use to improve your patient engagement. You are patient educators. Whether it's a few minutes here or there or a significant chunk of your day, and how you educate matters. To make your patient education more effective, check out this cool audiobook bundle I have for you. Effective Patient Education is a bundle of an 80-minute audiobook and an ebook to follow along and some exclusive supplementary materials. Consider it a crash course in the best educational principles out there, all culturally and linguistically appropriate. Available for download right now on healthcommunicationpartners.com. Now, we all use language every day in complex ways. We're often unaware of the sophisticated uses of language in our everyday lives as they're habitual or unconscious. So let's stop for a moment and think about some things we tend to take for granted when we speak. The groups we're a part of have an enormous impact on the words we use. They shape what counts for us as normal or common language. The way our words have been used by people in the past, and by whom, influences how we use them in the present. Think of language as something in our human toolkit. It's one of our most powerful tools, and we're always using it to make things happen. We make our words do work. Now, the nurse educator and I continue to talk about the shift in the work and the thinking and the context involved in the shift in language from pee to urine. She added, there's another potentially earlier step here, isn't there? She pointed out that parents may teach children the term pee-pee in the context of potty training. So let's think about pee-pee for a moment. <laughs> in a language sense, pee-pee does specific work. It gives a label to a body function that, for the child, had been unnamed until now. But now this body function needs a name because it's an important topic in the household. So the child transitions from diapers to toilet use 
through learning to be aware of and monitoring this body function. And that monitoring, that awareness, is supported by talk. Namely, everyone's very pointed use of the term pee-pee. The word does its job. The child is potty trained. Eventually, though, the word pee-pee outlives its usefulness as the child learns, maybe when they're in school, that big kids don't say pee-pee. So when it ceases to be useful for the child, it's dropped in favor of the grown-up version, pee. Like pee-pee, pee works just fine. Unless you go into medicine. It's not that there's anything wrong with the word pee, and it's not that non-medical professionals couldn't understand the word urinate. It's more that, well, we will use a term that does the work we need it to do, until we have a good reason for changing it. The Discourse of Medicine was published about 30 years ago, and it underlined the significance of the ways people use language in health-related interactions. The author, Elliot Mishler, says, quote, The point of departure for this research is to treat medical interviews as a form of discourse, that is, as meaningful talk between patients and physicians. Further, this discourse is viewed seriously. It is not mere talk, but the work that doctor and patient do together as an essential and critical component of clinical practice. Now, we've all been socialized into various ways of thinking about and talking about health, well-being, and healthcare. It can be easy to take for granted that the people around us share our linguistic and cultural practices. In healthcare, the people you work with use the same kinds of language you use for the same reasons you use it, more or less. So when it comes to your patients and their families, it can seem natural to compare their ways of talking and thinking about and doing health with yours, or maybe with your idea of the average or mainstream patient. Don't let that difference become an obstacle in your relationship. Their words work for them in the context of their lives, just as surely as yours do for you. Sure, PP and P and urine are different terms for the same thing, at least on a surface level. But they do different work. They're used for different reasons, for which they are entirely adequate. One is not better than the other. I want to return to what the nurse educator said when talking about her students' concerns. How do I talk to you? How do I talk to you? Here are three things to remember, and some phrases you might consider in your next patient encounter. 1. Your patient's language. Approach your patient as someone who uses language in sophisticated ways in their everyday life. Speak to them with this assumption in mind. An important approach in patient communication is connecting the health information you hold to what the community you're trying to reach already values. And that includes the language they already use. Two, your language. 
in whatever wording feels natural to you. Mention that you're aware medicine has some of the most unusual language out there and that it took you years to learn it. Now you're surrounded all day by people whose jobs require this specialized language use. This can be a drawback in conversations with people whose jobs don't depend on speaking this same language. But you're doing your best to be aware of when you're using insider terms. And finally, keep in mind the work you're doing together. Looking at patients' knowledge and language use as a gap between you can imply that your position is the one to be reached. In this view, progress counts as how far patients can make it in your direction. So mention that as you talk together, you, the practitioner, are drawing on all your medical experience and education, and that they, the patient, are drawing on a lifetime of experience with their body. You both have your areas of expertise, Assure them that these are complementary and not competing knowledge bases, because both of them are necessary for this to work. The benefits to paying attention to your language are that you can make adjustments so that you can speak in a way that patients will understand. Build those bridges. You've heard me say that before. The benefits of paying attention to your patient's language includes learning what matters to them, and therefore where you can start to build the bridge between you. I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel, and this has been 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication. Thanks for listening to 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication from Health Communication Partners, LLC. Find us at healthcommunicationpartners.com.